How we doing? Say what's up, PD. Say what's up, PD. All right, some of you are there. What's up, PD? There we go. You can get your worship guides out, and uh, we're going to get into our series pretty quick. But I do want to bring a couple of uh, particular points, announcements, uh, and then we're going to pray. Okay. Um, number one, um, just want to. Uh, you know, continue to encourage you guys to lift up um, those that are in Oklahoma that have been affected by what's happened. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's really hard sometimes to keep up with current events, but it's good to keep up with what's going on because it gets you outside of yourself and it helps you uh, think about others. And the happiest people are the people that are serving, praying for, uh, resourcing, even funding others. And so um, look on our Facebook this week. Uh, we're going to have a, um, an avenue for you guys to participate uh, and helping those in Oklahoma. If you check that out, we'll have something there for you. You can share it and give it away. Uh, we, we support and are partners with the ARC, the Association of Related Churches, and uh, we're just going to kind of partner up with them. Um, also want to uh, make you guys aware, next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday is a special service uh, in, in our church family. Uh, we're going to be uh, installing uh, another associate pastor of Connect Community Church, uh, Pastor Deej will be installed next Sunday. Come on. If you guys don't know who Deej is, this is Deej. And uh, he's got a name like a rock star, D-G. I mean, no, who has names like that, you know? No, no, no vowels, just consonants. But uh, in a couple years, he'll promote it to like just a picture or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> formerly known as, or uh, something like that. But Deej will be installed as an associate pastor next week. We're also installing new elders next week. And so uh, because of our growth, we, we need to uh, grow not only uh, leaders, but grow enough leaders to be able to meet the needs that are happening within our church. So we're going to be installing some new elders next week publicly in the service. So it'll be kind of a, uh, a service that will talk about the role of a pastor, the role of an elder, and then we'll be installing new elders. The existing presbytery, the existing eldership will participate in that service. Uh, we're going to have a time of transition from the existing, some of the existing eldership to a new eldership. Our existing eldership will, will always be elders. I see elders as elders for life. But we'll be installing new church elders who have kind of specific functions and roles within Connect Community Church and responsibilities. And so it's kind of an exciting time in our church. Um, I just want to encourage you guys to uh, be here for that because it's really as, as effective as it is public. It's kind of like a water baptism in that respect. Speaking of that, what an awesome water baptism we had last week. We had, uh, if you don't know, uh, if you missed it, there was uh, well over 100 people, 130-something people that were here for our water baptism last week. I think we had 15 or 17 people baptized. Seven of those were children through Connect Kids. Six of those seven gave their hearts to Christ in Connect Kids. Most of the adults gave their heart to Christ here at Connect. It was an awesome, awesome experience. But it's only awesome because it was public. And so our faith in Christ is personal. It was never meant to be private. And one of the places that we go public is in water baptism. But another place that's important to see a public experience is in, a, is in the installation of new leaders. And so I just want to encourage you guys, if you can, to be here for that service. I understand that there's things that are going on that compete with that that are of greater priority. But if you can make that a priority, it'd be important. I really want to just show a lot of support for our, our leaders coming in. Amen? Cool. So uh, get your worship guides out. We're going to get right back into our series, uh, Real Life. And we're talking about uh, aspects, uh, different aspects in, of relationships. And basically the premise for the series uh, has been this, is that um, it's, it's more than a game. And so I want to pray as you guys are just kind of 
you know, getting your stuff out, let's just close our eyes and just pray real quick, okay? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you. Thank you for an incredible worship team. Thank you for an awesome church family. Thank you for those that are here, I believe not by accident, God, that in, in, your, in your sovereignty and in your, in your, in your, you have a providential plan that sometimes you're, you're doing things, you're orchestrating things that we sometimes cannot see. I pray, Lord, that you would connect the dots this morning for people, that you would, you would connect us to you, God, at a greater level. And, Lord, would you just use uh, me, your humble servant, Lord, and just help the words that come out of my mouth to be life-giving, to be edifying, useful, and equipping of those that are here. And um, I just thank you so much for the privilege of being able to do this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So relationships, it's more than a game. Thank you, Deej. It's more, it's sometimes something that we don't take too seriously and, and um, it's something that we need to be intentional about. And so my wife kind of un- unpacked the uh, series premise in week one as we talked about parenting life. And then last week, we continued the series uh, talking about married life. And I talked about married life, um, <clears throat> you know, and gave the focus really on how to connect with women. And we kind of had three keys to how to connect with our, our wives. And uh, how many were here last week for that? Good, a lot of you here for that. The CDs are in the lobby if you're interested in, and you weren't here last week, or in particular if you're interested in giving those away. And so those are there for free for you guys. But um, this week I want to kind of, I want to be fair to the men in the house. Come on, all you men. Hoorah. We want to be fair. So we want to get the other side in today. I want to encourage you that, you know, we're going to talk about some things today, like last week, that have um, uh, impact and influence on all aspects of relationship. So when you're looking through this, look through the lens of just relationship principles, but I'll be being specific as I address, you know, some of the things that not only uh, deal with women, but deal with men. Um, There's some distinct differences between men and women, if you haven't noticed, and I'm not just talking you know, our physiology or, you know, the external, the exterior, but I'm also talking just about kind of how we're wired and how we think and how we do things. And uh, I'm going to go back, you know, a few hundred years. Some of you guys may, uh, you know, have heard of Daniel Boone. How many ever heard of Daniel Boone? All right. Anyway, I'm going to tell you two stories and you can kind of just pick one which you think is true, okay? So here's the first story, okay? Daniel Boone, he gets up, um, wakes up, eyes open. First thing he does is he grabs his gun. He goes outside. He steps outside. It is a beautiful, crisp spring day, and he smells the flowers. And he says, my goodness, these will make a wonderful potpourri. And, 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 and then he, he continues, and he, off in the distance, just, you know, over, there's a little mist coming off the, 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 the grass early in the morning, and, and a deer comes up over that. A big buck comes right up over the top of that, and he sees that deer, and he, and he raises his rifle, and he thinks, as he's looking through his scope, he's so cute. <laughs> and, he, and, and, and he just, he puts the gun down, and he thinks, I can't shoot that deer. That could be Bambi's father. And, and as he continues, he, he, he lowers his rifle and, 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 and as it, kind of a, a motion comes over him as he thinks about, this could be Bambi's father. And he begins to kind of tear up and, 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 and so he just kind of walks back towards his house and he picks the flowers back up and, and he goes inside and decides to make some drapes. Okay. Okay, so that's story number one. Story number two, uh, Daniel Boone, he wakes up, gets up, picks up his rifle, goes outside, steps on the flowers, 
that he doesn't see, and over the horizon comes a deer, and it's, it's actually Bambi. And he lifts his rifle, and he looks, and he sees Bambi there, and he blows Bambi away. Walks over to Bambi. Actually, he runs over to Bambi, pulls out his knife, and guts the deer right there. How many believe that that's Daniel Boone? Okay. All right. All you in the house. All right. Yeah. So the idea is, why? Why? Why are those two distinct stories? God made men like that. I mean, he, he made us, and we were talking about this last week, kind of emotionally detached. You know, like, why? So we could kill stuff. <laughs> so we could kill and we could conquer and we could, we could kind of have dominion, you know, over the world that's around us. And, and as I kind of set up the background for, for this morning, you got to go back even further than that. You can't just go back a couple hundred years. You got to go back, you know, to the beginning. And if you look in the Genesis account, you see that, God created, the Bible says, man in his image. And a part of the process included in the design of man was uh, the, the desire uh, to lead and to move into his environment and, and, and have dominion and subdue it. Are you tracking with me, everybody out there? And so God put Adam in the garden and he told him to rule and to, to take dominion and, and, and to kind of bring order to the realm in which that you're in. And, and he gave Adam the responsibility of doing this uh, uh, with all of God's creation. And as time went on, God eventually brought him Eve. Everybody say Eve. And she was to be a helpmate for Adam. And you say, do you really believe this? I say, actually, I really do. And she was to help him rule and lead in this perfect environment and they, it was a perfect environment, and, um, and, and everything uh, in this environment and realm was perfect, and, and God's desire for man to lead, rule, and progress was in perfect conjunction with man's desires and his design. The, the situation was just perfect. He led, she followed, she helped, she supported, and to this day, men have had a desire to lead, and this was put in man by God from the beginning. And, and this desire is not a result of sin. It's not a consequence from the fall, it was there from the start. It's important that you see that. And so he always desired for man to move kind of meaningfully and purposefully into his world to, in essence, sell more than he did last week, to compete with his competitors, to divide, to conquer, to kill if necessary, bag it, tag it, take it home. And so at the same time, that this, this is in him, uh, man wants to move meaningfully also into a relationship and into a relationship with his wife. And as we talked about last week, you know, God looked down and he saw all the things that were going on and he, he'd, he'd done this in the stars and in the, in the heavens and he'd done some things on the earth creatively and then he looked down and he, and he said, all that is good. The, the, the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and the stars in the sky and all that stuff is good. But, it's, but when he looked at man and he saw him down there in the garden, naked, running around, perhaps with a pair of scissors, he said, that's not good. That's not so good. And so he, he said, I got I to gotta give you some help. And so and for, the, for the price of a rib, he made this incredibly amazing helpmate. And, 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 and as men uh, think about a wife, they envision a, a, a life with the wife that where, where they lead and, and where there's, where there's, where there's uh, this, this help that comes behind that. And, and we hope to make decisions if I was making it practical. And we, wanna, we want to make decisions. We want to hear our wives say, gee, honey, that was the right decision. That's funnier to me than it is to anybody else. But, 
We, we long for that. We envisioned uh, this relationship in which we are being successful in leading, but because of sin entering the world, things have not quite gone that way. And since the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, we've seen this unraveling of God's perfect design where man and woman, ish and isha in the Hebrew, hand and glove become kind of competitive instead of complementary. We're not celebrating our differences. We're competing over those. And, and as you know, a terrible thing happened. And, and as you remember, Satan tempted Eve, and you know the whole story. And, and, and essentially what happened was, was Eve kind of moved out from underneath Adam's leadership and authority. And instead of allowing him to kind of lead, she took the lead. And we see her move out ahead of him on her own. And she takes the fruit. And he, standing there right beside her, follows and this is the first time that a curse ever shows up on the earth. The first time a curse comes into the world is here. And we see that God actually cursed man's environment after this. And, and he cursed man's relationship with a woman from that day forward. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, it says, To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you not to, you must not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. I will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plant of the field. By the sweat of your brow you'll eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. We always hear that at, at funerals. So the first curse is basically that God cursed his, his, his environment, uh, where he was, his, the realm in which he was to have dominion, the place where God cursed his work. And, and there was, prior to that, there was no conflict with the environment in which he had jurisdiction prior to this curse. Uh, but then after that, he said in Genesis 3.16, he says, to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbirth, childbearing. Praise the Lord, the women all said. Thanks a lot. With pain, you will give birth to children. Then it says, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. When I first read that, the first time I ever read that, I thought, yes, Lord. Your desire will be for your husband. That's not what that word means. If you, you can look at another, if you, if you look in the Hebrew again, the English language sometimes is insufficient to describe sometimes the full nuances of words. But if you look in another place in the Bible, you can see that word desire. Uh, it, it doesn't mean what you think it means. It, it basically means that it implies that, you know, that Eve will want to rule or overthrow or subvert your husband, your leadership, and take responsibility away from you. And so in Genesis 4, it actually talks about this, another example where you can see this word desire. It says, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, to rule you, but you must master it. And so the, so the first curse is the, is, the, is the curse on our environment, the curse on our work, the, the realm in which we live. The second curse is he cursed the relationship with his wife. And God was essentially saying, Eve, um, you want to lead? You want to call the shots? Okay, well, because of your sin and your, your, all your descendants will have this, this desire to overthrow, this desire to, to rebel uh, against leadership. And there, therein, as I set this up, lies this conflict, this e internal conflict that has existed in marriage since the fall. And sometimes when, when, when we sin, and, and I don't have the full uh, I don't have the length and time right now to unpack this, but I've done this before. But sometimes when we sin, uh, God will do everything in his power. My father has this phrase. He says, 
he uses a golf analogy. As pastor's son, he said, do everything you can on the front nine to keep people from making a mistake. But let them know that you're there for them on the back nine. But in God, God's similar. He'll do everything he can to try to get people not to make the same mistake. But one of the methods that he uses is very interesting is uh, sometimes he'll, uh, he'll give us what we want in overdose so we can see it's not really what you want. Are you tracking with me? So Israel, they wanted a king, for example. They wanted to be like all the other peoples of the earth. And they kept asking and asking and asking. God was trying to say, no, I want you to be distinct. We're different. Like in the New Testament, it says we're a peculiar people. We're a different people. And we're supposed to kind of be different than the rest of the world. We don't want to blend in with everybody else. We want to stand out from everybody else. And they kept asking. So finally they said, okay, we'll give you a king. Well, it caused problems for many, many centuries. The same thing happened in here. That you want what you want? Okay. Well, now you're going to see what it's like. Now, now it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect your relationship for a long, long time. Oh, you want, you know, you want certain things? Okay, then sometimes he'll give manna, and he just poured it on so much, you know, they didn't want to eat it anymore. You don't understand what I'm saying? Sometimes he does things by overdose, teaching by overdose. And so uh, these, but these, these things that were happening in the relationship between the husband and wife, they were breaking down God's perfect design for marriage. And and, and, and here's where perfect harmony kind of went out the window here in Genesis. And here's where our differences became difficulties. But there are these two stamps. They're still there because they were there before the fall. The two stamps was that, that man would be, make his mark in the world in which he worked and that man would make our mark also in the relationship world. And the fact that more than half the world's relationships end in divorce doesn't seem to be stopping men from desiring to, to get married and to be in relationship with someone, uh, a significant person, for the rest of their life. Now, in Massachusetts, we have one of the lowest marriage rates. We have one of the highest cohabitation rates. But there's still a, 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 a statistical propensity towards people wanting to get married. There's something inside us that says, I want to have a life made. I want it to be successful. The reason people aren't getting married is not because they don't want to. It's because they're afraid or because there's been so many mistakes or because there's been a history of different things that have gone wrong. Are you tracking with me out there? And so it, this, this stamp is there. I want to be effective. I want to make an impact on the world. And I also want to be successful in a relationship. And even though all these things are going against me, all the, the narrowing opportunities and, and increasing escalating challenges, they don't stop us from, from going out and getting work and getting a career and, frankly, trying to find a woman. And it looks like we, sometimes we may be the underdog, but we charge ahead anyway. But unfortunately, when we don't succeed, this is what happens a lot of times in this world, we find places of escape to succeed. And, and this is where I want ladies to kind of pay attention a little bit more. But we go to alternate realities or even addictions or even destructive habits. And, and when a man finds it difficult to lead in life with his wife, a principle begins to take place and surface. And here's your big idea, and you can put this in your notes. The relationship or environment that makes us feel the most competent will ultimately capture our heart and possibly our time and attention. The relationship that makes us feel the most competent, that makes us feel, you know, uh, uh, successful, will ultimately capture our heart and possibly our time and attention. And men struggle to do what they're called to do in environments where they don't feel competent. And therefore, the environment relationship that allows us to leave our mark, that primitive Daniel Boone 
illustration has application to every man in this room in some measure, in some way, shape, or form. And that allows us, that, that environment that, want, that makes us feel competent, is, it's like a magnet that draws us toward a person or toward an environment. And if your husband or your man in your life feels he's got a lot of strokes or out of boys and appreciation for his results at work and not at home, I can tell you where he wants to spend most of his time. It's going to be at work and not at home. And this is not an excuse just to make it clear for men to sin or neglect our responsibilities at home. But ladies, you need this information for consideration and learning in protecting and participating in the relational success of your husband and the sanctification of your husband. That means the purity of your husband being protected. And our hearts as men will unknowingly gravitate towards these environments or relationship because it's a need. And it's an unmet need if it's not being met at home. And we go on this unconscious search uh, for looking for significance in work and significance in relationships. And we don't decide it. It just happens. And so I'd like to give you three things, ladies, that will capture and keep your man's heart in the right place and keep it at home. Are you paying attention out there? I may give you four if time allows for it, but here's three keys that will draw your man home. My, my primary focus in this is, again, is, guys, is to invite you to lead. Ladies, really where I'm going here is not to kind of uh, uh, bring any kind of condemnation or beat anybody up. I'm just trying to give you what you really want. We talked about this last week. Communication, uh, leadership, security were the big three last week. Leadership is a big one. It's the number one complaint I hear and counselors hear in, in, in counseling situations. I wish he would lead. Sometimes it has different terminology to describe it. Communication's always a big one. Security's a big one. But leadership's a big one too. And the thing that you want, I'm going to give you some things that'll help bring him to that place of leadership. Are you tracking with me? Here's the first one. Listen to us. Everybody say listen. 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 I can't overemphasize this enough, but there's power when you listen. Proverbs 18 talks about he who answers before and listening to him or her. It is a folly and shame. Post all this at all intersections, dear friends, lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear, the message says in James chapter 1. I find it incredible how many women, when I ask them questions like this, what does your husband do for a living? They can't tell me. They can't tell me. That tells me that you're not listening. It, all, it says other things too, by the way, which I'll get to in a little bit. It's really important to your man. Why would you want to uh, listen to your spouse when they don't feel like you're listening to them? I think it's important that you listen. Who do you listen to? People are important and have something to say. And, and just to emphasize how important this is uh, uh, to men, I'm going to read you something, and I hope it doesn't offend you, but uh, just, just listen to it all the way through. But this, this illustration I used a long time ago, but it came from uh, the Greenville newspaper in, back in 1981, and it was written by a woman named Melissa uh, Sands, and, the, and she's the founder of an organization called Mistresses Anonymous. And, and this lady has an organization where she pairs men up with mistresses, and this thing's gone to a whole other level now, but they took a clip out of something she wrote, and, uh, and now she's, of course, she's not a Christian. I hope we're all clear on that. But listen to the power of, of the principle that I'm talking about, okay? She says this, ask any mistress. Her man doesn't do anything but talk endlessly. Interesting. Because that's not what we hear in couples, in couple counseling. He never says a word. But anyway, she says, 
her man doesn't do anything but talk endlessly. Mistresses are experts in the art of listening. People think a mistress has some kind of sexual manual that keeps men bewitched, but actually what she really has is the capacity to listen. Men have mistresses because they have needs that they are unable to fulfill in their own lives. By needs, I mean needs to communicate. They don't get these needs met at home. They see their wives when they are tired or worried about money or early in the morning or late in the evening or all the wrong times. Mistresses see their men when they are at the peak of their day and energy. A married woman makes her time for her job, her PTA meetings, her kids, programs, even her mother-in-law, but she does not make a special time for her husband. The mistress, however, does. Now, a lot of this you know, I, I, stuff is garbage, but, but she has hit on something that, that women, we need, you need to understand, and, and men need to be listened to, and it communicates to them that they are competent to lead when you listen. And when you do listen uh, someone else to, to someone else, you communicate to them that they are competent to lead. They're smart. They have an angle that we don't have, and so we need you to listen to us. And let me tell you another secret that you may not know. When you ask them about this and, and, and you go home on the way home today and you're driving the car and you say, honey, was that true what Pastor D was saying? This is what they're going to say. No, that's not true. I just want you to know it's true. It's true. As men, when we talk, uh, we are not really, listen to this. This is a little, and I don't mean this offensively. This is a reality. When we talk and we're asking you to listen, we're not really interested in your input. We want, we want two things. We want two things. You need to write this down, ladies. You need to write this down. I hope ladies are taking notes. I always ask the men to take notes. Two things. We want you to appreciate the struggle. We just want you to appreciate the struggle, and we want you to assure us that we can handle it. That's all we want. Our invitation to talk to us, with us, is not really talking like you think it's talking. <laughs> it's really listening. It's, not, it's, not, it's just like you get offended when, when we get, jump in and start to solve the problem. We don't want you to help us solve the problem. We can't, if in your situation we can't help ourselves in, in wanting to solve the problem, then when you flip it, do you think we want your help in solving the problem? No, we don't. We don't want it. We want you to appreciate the struggle and assure us that we can handle it. And, and you know, we, we open up to you when you treat us this way. Our hearts become yours. If you think of the story, I, I don't have time on it, but if you studied Samson and Delilah, that's what was happening. He's just he's laying and she's playing with his hair and, just, and he's just talking away, talking away. And she's just listening to everything, everything he's saying. You know, some, you know, I think about this in, in my situation sometimes. It's not so much now, but, but I can remember like Sundays for a pastor, it, different than, I, I envy these itinerant speakers, you know, where they can just go and they've got like 10 messages and they just go all over the country and they just speak and just do 10 messages. That's all I have to do. It's, it's, a, it's a lot less work. For me, I've got to do something new every week. You know, my wife just spoke a couple weeks ago. I said, honey, you did such a great job. We had one of our biggest services ever. Why don't you do next week? She says, no way. <laughs> you know? She loved it, but she, she, it's a lot of work. And so Sunday sometimes coming, and there's the war for message prep and, and this frustration. It's just difficult, and the Sunday service. Is, it's basically, right after Monday, Sunday's coming like a tsunami. And so, you know, what, what can my wife do? What can my wife say to help me? Um, you know, do, it's, I don't, she, she, let me, you know, pull up the chair and help me with my message. No. Honey, you're the best preacher in the world. I am sure you're going to have a word that's just 
right on time, right in season. I know you got it. She just did that this morning. She just texted me this morning. She didn't even know what I'm talking about. She just said, you're the best preacher in the world. You got it, baby. Preach it, white boy. That's what she said to me <laughs> on my cell phone. It's on my cell phone right now. I was like, perfect. So I don't say, honey, you know, I'm really struggling this week and pull up the chair and help me out. I don't need her help that way. Does that make sense? In general. I'm not saying sometimes. So initially we need encouragement, but maybe, maybe later we'll bring you kind of in. But initially, here's the next thing. Number two is what I call the S word. Everybody say S word. S -word. My son did a song called Hit Him With the S Word. Anyway, it's called, this, this word is the word that gets a lot of bad press. It's the word submit. Say so he's going to go there. White boy's going to go there. Yes. Here, here's, and listen all the way through before you put up your defenses, and I know this has got tons of abuse in the church. Um, honestly, I think the best people to preach on this particular subject to women is another woman, in all honesty. But and my wife has done this before, and you're very blessed to have a church where somebody in, in a female role could talk on this appropriately. But really, there's been such a, an abuse that, yet it's still such a very important dynamic in, a relation, in the relationship. And so it's just kind of either on the shelf or it's just hammered into people in the wrong way. But submit to our leadership or here's another way to say it. Quietly invite us to lead. Quietly invite us to lead. When you submit, you are quietly inviting us to lead. Now last week I used Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, so there is an overarching, if you want to say the vertical is good, then it has to be demonstrated, modeled, experienced, worked out in the, in the relationship that we have with each other. But Ephesians 5.22 gets very specific, and it says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. That's pretty specific. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, how should we submit? Like the church submits to Christ. So also, wives should submit to their husbands Ooh, I hate this next two words, in everything, all right? So again, huge abuse, I get it, I get it, uh, but it is in him to lead. It's a stamp that existed before the fall, and men, um, you know, if, it's, it's so important that we fill that vacuum when, <laughs> exclamation point, <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. That's, that's either an exclamation point or a demonic manifestation. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I love this girl. Um, but what happens is, what happens is, we're supposed to, we're, women, you're supposed to, you're inviting your, your, your husband quietly to lead. That creates this vacuum that draws leadership from him. But when you take the reins, it, 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 uh, it, it forces him uh, it pushes him out of the equation. And men need to focus, of course, on loving your spouse as they love themselves like the Bible says. But women, the Bible tells you to submit to your husband as to the Lord. And, and it, it's, it's, uh, it's been a struggle ever since the fall. It's like this whole vacuum idea is you step back. You know, it's like a balloon. If I had a balloon and I, and I filled it with air and I tied the knot and I squeezed one end of that, then all the air goes to that side. You know, if I let it go, then all the air comes back. You, you want to create a vacuum where that leadership moves to one side. And so, guys, remember that a, a great leader, uh, when we say leadership, women, is, is leadership isn't domination. Leadership is initiative or initiation. So when we say leadership, you want him to initiate. When you think, I'm going to be submitting to him, I'm going to be submitting to his domination. No, that's not what a man is supposed to be doing, and, and, and that is a problem if that's happening. You're submitting to his initiative to lead. 
to lead from the front. And the tension for you, for you sometimes is, well, if I don't lead, if I don't, he won't. That's what, that's what I hear a lot of times. And I understand. But God who designed him and also designed you says, let him lead. And I've counseled couples where the woman was more than capable of leading. But my advice was to tell her, I would tell her, just refuse to take the reins and to make decisions. Let him do it. So I'll be waiting forever. I'll be waiting until Jesus comes back. It's the kind of things they say. You know what I mean? Listen, your man needs that vacuum. I promise. And, she, and I can think of one person where she did it, and, and that happened. And so a lot of times we don't create vacuums that are long enough. Like we just flip the switch real quick and turn it back off again. You know what I mean? It's not, I, I turned the vacuum on. Well, you turn it back off too quick. It's not going to happen by, if we talked about it on a Sunday, it's not going to be happening on Tuesday all of a sudden. It's like a muscle. It's atrophied, and it takes, some, it takes a while, and it can be somewhat painful. And you're like, I know, I know. Women, you know, a question for you, don't ask this out loud, but are you a good follower? You know, do you allow your man to make mistakes? Can you follow him even when he, when he goes the wrong way sometimes? My wife has an incredible sense of direction. She has a built-in GPS system, you know? But when, I, when I'm in the driver's seat, you know, uh, leading, I, there's two ways we do this now. If I'm in the driver's seat, then I lead, if, you know, as much as possible. Unless I, like, turn her and just say, okay, you know, but usually I'll, if I don't want to, I'm just going to sit in the passenger seat and let her drive. You know what I mean? But, I, but when I'm in the driver's seat, don't help me. Don't, don't, just support me. <laughs> yeah, but that sign says wrong way. <laughs> I could tell a really funny story right now. But I'm not going to go there. But we, 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 I've been going literally down a wrong way street. You know what I mean? But it's, it's not what you say. It's how you say it. <laughs> but we're going to die. You know, and that was... Anyway, I get it's tough, but if you, will, if you will quietly invite him to lead, I'm not saying go off a cliff, I'm not saying that, I'm not, you know, one person was, they were recently, they were going through some extreme financial duress, and the wife kind of looked at me kind of mad, and she, she had submitted, and, and her attitude was, look, look where this got us, pastor, now we're, even, we're in even more debt. But can I tell you something? And, and again, I'm not, invite, I'm not saying people should sin and all that kind of stuff. Or you, and you shouldn't say anything. I'm going to come back to that in a second. But he, it woke him up. It woke him up. All of a sudden, he's looking at a situation. He's going, oh, my goodness. And he started to pick up the reins and lead. You know, well, she always handled the bills. And she does this. And I don't know. I just bring in the, I just bring in the money. Blah, 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 blah. Well, they got themselves in a world of hurt when she stepped back and just let the, she said, you're going to talk to the bill collector. You know what I mean? She, of course, had to do that nicely. Honey, could you spe speak to Tom <laughs> from Chase? <laughs> it's amazing what happens. A few calls like that. So submission is not agreement to sin with them, but there are many areas that women can yield to encourage their man's heart to be drawn towards home. And again, men's hearts follow the environment or person that makes them feel the most competent to lead. Can't say enough. I'm going to throw in a bonus one here. Here's another one, too, I want to talk about real quick. And I know it's Sunday service and a weekend service and young people and whatever, but I think it should be talked about in church, not just in, in other places. But, but another thing that we need to get better at and, and women that, that really draws your man home is sex. So I can't believe he's going to, several men just woke up. <laughs> I'm ready. Take notes. No, they're taking notes. They're taking notes, okay? So this is bonus, okay? It's not in your notes, all right? But, but it, 
This will always draw your man home. Daniel Boone came home. He would have just stayed out there eating the deer all day long. I, I think I'm supposed to do something, but I don't know what. If he had a woman at home, he would be going home. And again, this is not a dirty word. Sex was created by God. It was created for recreation, procreation, unity. And men connect. Listen, men, women connect emotionally through sex. That's how they connect emotionally. You know, they'll cry after sex. (laughs) (laughs) Women have to connect emotionally to have sex. Can you guys handle this this morning? I don't know, maybe I'm going too far. My wife's, I need my wife uh, uh, to be here, to support me. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is going so bad. <laughs> Woo, those lights are hot. My point is this, as great as a woman's need is for communication, a man's is, is that's how great a man's need is for sex. Surveys reveal, listen, su- be careful. Surveys reveal that this is the number two need of a man. All right? Listen to this for women. It's number 13 for women. Number 12 is gardening. Okay? So, here's the problem. The problem is we... We hear things, ladies, we hear things through the lens of our own needs. Listen, this is good. We hear things through the lens of our own needs. So so what does that mean, Pastor? It's Well, if a woman has, she has a need for non-sexual affection. That's one of her top needs, okay? And so when a man says, I need you, all right, a woman thinks he just needs a hug. (laughs) No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't, all right? That's not what he's saying there, okay? When a woman says, I need a hug, the man thinks, she's coming on to me. (laughs) And who could blame her? I mean, you know what I mean? That's what he's thinking, you know? I mean, that's kind of what goes through his mind. He's thinking, she can't resist this. (laughs) Yes, she can. (laughs) A lot, okay? And so the problem is, this need is being met If it's not understood and being met the right way, it's being met through aberrant avenues. It's being met the wrong way. And listen, I want to be, I want to try to be pastoral here for a moment. Proverbs talks about the destruction of the relationships outside of the covenant of marriage is unbelievable in this arena. If you don't get this, ladies, the problems are enormous. Proverbs 7 says this. Look at this. I'm going I'm to make a statement, all right? And I've never made this statement before. But, but sex outside of the marriage covenant leads to death. How's that for a contrast from where we just were? Pro, let me prove it to you. Proverbs 7 says this. Proverbs 7.21. This is not in your notes. In 23, it says, All at once he followed her like an, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. James 1, 14 through 15 says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's what happens. It ultimately can destroy you. So it's so important, ladies, that we see you need to listen to us. You know, it's so important that you see that you need to submit to us. And we need, I'm going to put it, Frankly, we need, int- we need sexual intimacy, all right? Here's the fourth one. 
And this is the biggest one of all. This is the number one need in a man's life, honor us. Statistically, surveys, secular Christian counseling across the board, this is the number one need of a man is to be honored. This is one of the most amazing passages in the Bible. Mark chapter 6, verse 4 says, A prophet is not without honor, listen to this, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Then it says this, it says, Now he could do not no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. It doesn't say that he would not. It says that he could not. Because they didn't honor Jesus, he could not do any mighty works or any miracles there. You have to remember that Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. He walked on this earth as a man. And according to Philippians 2, he laid down uh, you know, it's the kenosis experience. He laid down his divine rights and privileges and became a man, walked on earth as a man of the, by the power of the Holy Spirit like you and I. It, in conjunction with the principles that God has established in, in and on the earth, uh, in his word, he operates through faith. He operates through faith. And the truth is that they, because of familiarity, because of dishonor, didn't have faith. These people didn't have faith. Why? Because they just didn't honor him. They didn't honor him. And so he could not do any miracles. Why are you telling me all this? Well, think about this. I think this is in your notes. If dishonor hindered Jesus when he was a man, could dishonor be hindering your husband from doing great things as well? Is it possible that you're living with a potentially great man, but he's not being honored? Let me repeat. The number one need of a man is honor. Let me be more specific, ladies. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. I'm not telling you you can never disagree with him. In fact, sometimes your, your voice is so important in the man's life. I don't think any major decision in marriage should be made without unity between husband and wife, having the male and female perspective. You say, wow, really? Yep, I really do. I think that brings us together. It makes us closer. And I think there's things that my wife sees that, that I don't see. There's, there's sometimes, uh, you can call it female intuition, you can call it discernment, you can call it God's voice sometimes. But what makes that peaceable, easily entreated, embraced, is how she says it. Is how she says it. If, if, you, if, if we're going the wrong way, down the wrong road, should I tell him? Yes, absolutely you should tell him. But you've got to tell him the right way. A man can't hear you. Let me, let me, make, let me personalize it. I can't hear people who don't honor me. I can't hear you. Just like, you know, if you don't talk in secure terms to a woman, she can't hear you. A man can't hear you without honor. It just not, doesn't work. Nothing justifies an unloving husband, but nothing justifies a dishonoring wife. Ephesians 5 says this, treat, it says treating like you would treat Jesus. And, and I know what you're, you're supposed to treat your husband like you treat Jesus. And I know what you're thinking. Well, he don't act like Jesus. He acts like a bubba. You know what I mean? He just... Ephesians says that if you treat him that way, he'll get there. He'll get there. It's the cork in the bucket analogy. You've heard me talk about this before, but, you know, you, bring, you, bring, you, you put a cork in the, in, the, in the bottom of a bucket and you pour water into that, that cork will rise. And a cork is, in the bucket for, for a man is praise. You praise him, he will rise. He will rise. You know, this is going to sound kind of harsh, but... And you guys take this the right way, but we're like dogs in a way. You say, I know, I've been telling him he's a dog. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you praise him, he'll respond. 
I mean, when you come home and you see that he's done some things that you told him to do, he put the dishes away, good boy, good boy, that's a good boy, you put the dishes away. You know, and if you put the glasses all the way over the thing and you swept the, you know, you put the trash out and the recycle's actually in the orange bag. It's awesome. Good boy. We respond to that. It's amazing how a wife can lift a person up. As I conclude, the Bible says in Psalms 22 that God inhabits the praises of his people. This is what that means. He lives in houses that praise him. This tells you a lot about uh, something about churches that don't praise him, doesn't it? But we're made in his image, and, he will, and, and, and if we're made in his image, and God will only live in houses that praise him, then maybe man will only live in a house that praise him too. I heard a story that said, well, I don't praise my husband, and he's been living here for 20 years. And you know what I, you know what I said to her? I said, no, he's been sleeping there for 20 years. He hasn't been there. Think about it. You don't, you don't see cheerleaders at women's sports events. Go, Susie! Go, Susie! Woo! Woo! No, they don't need it. Men need it. They need to be praised. They need to be praised. If you don't praise him, he'll praise himself a lot. Or somebody else will praise him and capture his heart. And, you know, i got so many things I want to say to you, but please don't cut your men down. Don't cut them down in front of other friends. Don't cut him down in front of family. Even if he's dead wrong, talk to him about it privately. That's, those, are, those are ways that you can dishonor him. If you won't do that, make a huge difference in your marriage and in your relationship. Will you stand on your feet? Let me pray for you. There are many in this room who have heard a lot of this before, perhaps. And you listened to tapes, bought books, went to seminars, seen videos. Some, a lot of people can do this a lot better than me. But can I challenge you guys with something? Can I challenge you guys out there? This isn't all play, but I'm specifically talking to the ladies. Our problem when it comes to relationships, listen, our problem when it comes to relationships, it's not a knowledge problem. It's a sin problem. It's a sin problem. It's like we know what to do. We're just not going to do it. And sin, another way to describe sin is just rebellion against what God says. It's just rebellion against what God says. If you'll do what God says, you'll fall back in love again. See, obedience, it's better that you obey than make some kind of an offering or, or just better that you follow God's ways. You, you, you do what God says, your heart will follow. It's the same way with giving. Your, 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 your money doesn't follow your heart. You put your money where it's supposed to be and your heart will follow. You do what God says regarding this, you listen, you, you submit, you quietly invite to lead, you, you make yourself available. And again, there's a lot to that. And you honor us. You do that? It works 100% of the time. Close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Father God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit bring the conviction that I can't. I know in this room there are broken relationships. There always are, statistically. Some beyond repair, perhaps, because it takes two sometimes to submit to the will of God for that to be reconciled. But for the one who's here that can make changes in their life, I pray, Lord, that you speak to their heart, that you bring the necessary conviction, Lord. And what changes conviction from condemnation is condemnation is we hear it and we don't do anything about it. Conviction. Conviction is when we attend to the word of God and do something about it. So I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to their heart 
specifically. That they would say, what are you saying to me? What can I do? What should I do differently, God? I pray to heal and repair marriages that are here in this room by your power and grace, Lord. You use this message to, to heal and restore. If there's a person here today that before we part ways came and they feel disconnected from God and maybe want to connect with God formally for the first time. And you just would like to invite Jesus Christ into your life to help you navigate your relationships. I just want to tell you, you can't do relationships without him. The Bible says apart from him, Jesus, John 15, 5, you can do nothing. So if you'd like to do relationships, letting him lead and invite Jesus Christ into your life, would you raise your hand and just say, that's me. I want you to pray for me right where I am. Say, that's me. I don't want to walk out without having done that. God bless you. All the way to the back, God bless you. Is there anybody else that says, that's me? Don't want to miss anyone. Every soul is important to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just pray with me, church? And sir, ma'am, whoever raised your hand, would you just speak this prayer in faith? This prayer won't save you. Believe it in your heart will. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I invite you to be my Savior and Lord right now. By grace, I'm saved. Not by my works, but by your finished work. And I accept that by faith. Now help me in my relationships in the here and now as I grow in relationship with you now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I need a microphone. Yeah. Go ahead, Louise. Right behind you. This is Louise. Ryan. I just have to tell you, ladies, please listen to this story. It's a short one. Way back when Pastor Ernie was the pastor of the church, there was a young woman and a man that came to our church. <clears throat> he was a drug dealer. That's his business was dealing drugs. Their marriage was failing. <clears throat> she went into counseling with us. She was told to just do everything to honor her husband, even though he wasn't living for God. He would have his drug-infested drug friends come over to the house all the time, ring the doorbell in the middle of the night. Once a week, they would come and play cards. She was told, get the food ready for your husband's friends. Do everything that you're supposed to do. Go in your room with your Bible, shut the door, and pray. She did that for months on end. All of a sudden... He turned his life over to God. He got rid of his drugs. He got rid of his business. And he started coming to church. In fact, he worked here in the church for a while. So please, ladies, listen to this message. Please. What he's saying is true. And if you'll just submit and do what you're supposed to do, your husband will follow. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. 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 Wow, that was awesome. Thank you, Louise.